I'm on, am I? Yes, good. Father God, we thank you for John, for all who he is to us, for all he is to you, for all the good gifts he has. We thank you, Lord, for all his preparation and for how you have guided him. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts will be responsive to hear you through him as he speaks now. Amen. Amen. Our thoughts this morning are based on obedience and following the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. So let us all pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that as Christians we may be encouraged in our Christian faith and that if we are seeking Christ, then may we find him this morning to be our Saviour, Lord and friend in his name. We ask this. Amen. God's love. God's love to you and me is unchangeable, all-embracing, constant, everlasting. He knows exactly who we are. And yet even with me, he loves us anyway. It's love that draws us to obedience to Christ. Not fear, not guilt, not feelings. We love him because he first loved us. It's what Christ has done for us that draws him and draws us towards him. We must understand it's a tremendous bonus being a Christian. If you're not feeling quite up to it today, then may I reassure you that your life is founded on the rock of Christ. You see, when we come to Christ, an amazing thing happens. We receive a treasure, a jewel beyond price, and that is the gift and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He inspires us, he encourages us, and he leads us to love him who first loved us. So to the reading, very brief, wasn't it? No sooner had James stood up than he was sitting back down again. But because it's a short reading, don't be put off, because it's vital and it's relevant to you and to me. And it has a message for me, it has a message for you, and whether you're a Christian or a seeker, or if you don't believe in Christ, this short reading has a tremendous impact in our lives if we care to listen. You see, the reason this reading is so vastly important is that it comes slap bang right at the end of the most famous and heart-searching sermon ever made. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And that's where Jesus, on a hillside, addresses his disciples and his followers and those who were seeking or just curious, 
Hundreds of people sit before Christ. And if you've got the time, go home and read Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 and you will see and read this dynamic message from Christ where he presents a blueprint to us. He presents us the pattern for life. He presents to us the choice of having a fuller life or an empty life without him. It's a wonderful sermon. No, I'm not going to preach on the Sermon on the Mount because I think after three hours you'd all pack up and go home. There's far too much for me to unpack this morning. But before we talk about our two friends, the builders, I just want to remind you of two sections of that sermon that jumped out the page to me. First of all, early on in the sermon, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And it's only a short while ago in this church we were concentrating on the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We're going to pray that prayer this morning. Over two centuries it's come down and it's come from this sermon and we still use it. It's the base addressing our Heavenly Father. But there's a more dramatic part that comes near the end of the Sermon of the Mount where Jesus talks about two gateways. He talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate. He talks about the narrow path and the broad path. The narrow path, that's the path we come to if we squeeze through that gate because Jesus says not everybody will enter this gate. But that gate with all of its difficulties and trials that we have in life, if we follow Christ, it gives us the promise of a fuller life and eternal company with Christ in heaven, eternal life after we die. And what about the broad path? Ah, that's an easy path. The gate is wide and we saunter through. And I can visualize this path. It's smooth, wonderful tarmac, a bit like a French motorway. It's so much better than ours. It's nice and smooth. And as you glide down the path, you can maybe wonder and think about what the people are saying. Well, I'll tell you what they're saying. They're saying this. They're saying, come on, you've only got one life, make the most of it, grab all you can, grab all you can, think of self, don't think of others. After all, this life is not a just rehearsal, you only get it once, there's nothing after, is there? I've had that said many times in my office when I was working there before I retired. But you see, it's so wrong. That broad path leads nowhere. Worse than that, that broad path leads to total separation from God. Desolation, total destruction. We have a fuller life if we follow Christ. Now the two builders. 
I love these two guys, don't you? If I was having a house built, I would go for the wise builder, wouldn't you? Because I know that my conservatory, my house extension, my new house, my garage, it would be pretty good. Because that man put everything he had into building. All of his experience, all of his knowledge, everything he'd been told, he remembered. And the thing about this man is that when he comes to the building site, he doesn't just skim the soil. He digs deep. And he digs and he digs and he digs until he feels the, the shovel scraping on the rock. And when he finds the rock, he chisels away until the rock is smooth. And then on that rock, he builds his house. What about the foolish guy? Now, this foolish uh, builder, is he nasty? Is he evil? Is he bad? No, I don't think so. But I know he's thoughtless. I know this second builder has no thought of the future. Maybe he's in a hurry. Maybe he wanted to show off and get that house up very quickly. And so he comes to the soil and he looks at it and he just skims it over. The Bible says he builds on sand. And so we have the two houses built. And if you look at them, they're very similar. They both look okay. I guess the foolish builder was sitting in his house reading the newspaper and the other guy is still building. He did it so quickly. And then Jesus said, there comes the storm. The waters rise. Now we've seen this in the Philippines, we've seen it in Japan earlier this month, we've seen it in the north last year, we've seen it on the Somerset Plains. Water is disastrous and it sweeps away the foolish builder's house. Total destruction. I looked at a few Bibles before I prepared these few words and um, one of them said, and great, great was the fall. If we relate this to ourselves, we are talking about spiritual disaster. Don't worry, I'm nearly there. Okay, so relax, chill out. We now come to you and me. There are many ways of looking at this story, but it applies to Christians, seekers, and non-believers alike. First of all, the storms of life. Now it's inevitable that you and me are going to have storms. We are. Doreen, my lovely wife and me, we've had them. We've had the death of a loved one. That's a storm. We've had an unexpected illness. Oh yeah, that's fairly recent, I remember now. You know, it, it's something that comes out the blue. Unexpected. That's a storm. We worry about our children, of course we do. We love them. And things go wrong with our children and we worry and we angst about it. That is a storm. It's a storm when you get behind with your mortgage. It's a storm when you have financial difficulties. It's a storm when, and the list goes on and on and on. 
storms of life. And as Christians, we are not immune from a storm. But if we have Christ, if we stand on that rock, then we cope with the storm and we overcome. I'd hate to go through a storm without Jesus. I'd hate to go through a storm and not have the Holy Spirit within me. Are we standing on the rock? There's a key to this story. Anyone who hears my word and puts them into practice, he's like the wise builder. You get it? Anyone who hears my word and doesn't put it into practice is like the foolish builder. I've had to examine myself because some of you know me, you know what I'm like. You've been on holiday with me. You're in my home group. You know I can get impatient. You know exactly what John Crook is like. It's been around a few years. Build on Jesus. Build on his word. Turn to Christ. I believe many of us here are standing on the rock of Christ. I know some of you so well. But sometimes, I've been a Christian 60 years, you can just tell by the haircut and the, the grey hair. But there are times when my feet have got a bit slippery on that rock. When you've been a Christian a long time, you can see the blessings and you can see the pitfalls that you've rather in a silly way made. It's never too late to shore up the footings. Our God is a God of a million chances. If you feel you're not as solid in your faith as you should be, then turn to Jesus today. I'm going to say this again, because even a church like this needs reminding. It's a huge bonus knowing Christ. It's a huge bonus knowing that you have a fuller life with the Holy Spirit within you today. And it's a miracle that one day you are going to be with Christ and reign with him if you know him. Well, you'll be relieved to know I'm coming to the final statement. What is our foundation Listen to these words from John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 15. Here's what Jesus says. He says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, the question is here. It begs the question... What sort of foundation do we have? What sort of foundation do you have in your life? Well, I don't know. I really don't know what your foundation is. But you do.
May God bless us all. Amen.